And you're very welcome to the RT Rugby podcast after a few weeks of a break. We're delighted to be back with you ahead of the Lions' first test against South Africa on Saturday. Uh, with me, Don Lennon in Cape Town and Bernard Jackman, well, to preview the first test. You're welcome, gentlemen. How are we? Pretty good. Good. Tony, you made it through security, quarantine, PCR tests, COVID vaccinations, and you're nicely positioned looking out at Table Mountain there. So life is wonderful, huh? Well, I have to say, no, Hugh, I'd love to, to spoil the viewers. Turn the camera around. I'm looking straight at Table Mountain. The fog has gone. I can actually see the cable cars going up the middle of it. Uh, I might even get try and get up there this morning. But uh, I have to say, uh, I'm not here without huge sacrifices. Uh, on the plane yesterday, came out flew out through Dublin. Uh, it was actually, uh, you know, 18 months since I was on a, a flight. And you, you actually forget the procedures. Uh, but I have to say it was pretty seamless. Got the PCR test on Monday. Got the result. Everything good. Uh, incredibly, the flight from Dublin to Frankfurt was 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 fairly full. And uh, uh, I must say, panicked a small bit. Had my mask on. Sat down. But I was in a row next to two other people. So there was three of us, all big fellas, of course, stuck on top of each other and loads of free seats all over the place. So we were all kind of looking at each other. Uh, we weren't allowed to move, but in the end, I put up my hand as a good student and just told you when I was moving. So, yeah. uh, of course, uh, as the Irish soccer team found out a couple of months ago, once you change your seat for contact tracing, they have to put down the number. Got through all of that. Got into Cape Town at 6 a.m. this morning. Uh, lashing rain, of course, having left 28 degrees when I left Cork. But that said, this afternoon, the sun is shining. And, uh, you know, having got here, really looking forward to the opening test on Saturday. Well, Donald, I don't know what you can see um, from where you are now, but you'd be delighted to learn that Bernard Jackman has upgraded his background to all the sports books that he claims to have read during his <laughs> career, including your autobiography, Annick. So you'd be that made the shortest. <laughs> well, I, I always knew he was learning, but uh, somebody told me he's, he's, he's in Trinity as we speak. So uh, yeah. a, small bit of, a small bit of bluffing going on, I'd say. There is. First, listen, the starting to build now. I, look, I don't know about you, the Lions Tour. I think for many people, just uh, given the nature of the pandemic, where we're at with so much going on, vaccinations, restrictions, the Lions Tour has taken a bit of a backseat to this point. But it's from this point on, the test teams have been named. Saturday is the first test. That's when we can start to get excited, I think. Yeah, and I, I was I wasn't really enjoying it at all until that Springbok A game, which was effectively um, a, a nearly full strength uh, Springbok team, and uh, the intensity and the quality in in that game. I mean, just whetted my appetite for for the real business, which starts starts Saturday. And I think um, I think Razzy and and Gats, you know, two experienced coaches, they're they're adding to it a little bit. Razzy retweet or tweeting back the examiner and things like that. Just just starting to build now and obviously there's not going to be a crowd there but I, I don't think I think the intensity um, and the occasion will still be absolutely massive I mean it's uh, I, I'm excited about it now and, and I can't wait to just see what well, I, I know I think we know what the box are going to do I think we know how they're going to play but the team Gatlin has picked and I'm sure we're going to talk about it makes you wonder yeah, are, you know is he going to be more flexible in, in terms of his strategy than he has in the past and um, have they seen things that they can they obviously have seen things they think they can exploit but can they exploit it I was, I was glad that uh, Razzy Erasmus took to Twitter to try and kind of jolt things down a little bit I have to say Warren Gatlin is no stranger to a bit of silly buggers himself over the years and I'm sure he more than enjoyed that but given the context of what's been going on around South Africa the, the violence on the streets the looting 
Jacob Zuma and the protests that have kind of gathered over that. Rugby has taken a back seat. So I, I think Razzie, you know, from the little that we know of him during his time as Munster, almost felt like he had to take things into his own hands to kind of get this series back into the mindset of the South African people. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, look, I, I, I think I was working out. This is the ninth Lion series that I've been involved in or been at in, in one guise of another. And uh, to all the other ones, in the build-up to the first test, uh, by this stage of the tour, you'd have ex-players from the local country giving out about something, questioning the validity of various areas of the Lions game. Uh, the pressure would be mounting from everywhere. But because, obviously, there's been no fans in the game, because there's someone so many other things going on in South Africa. Um, the whole thing seems to have gone on the, under the radar, um, which is amazing. I was delighted that, that Razzie, obviously, he's still paying his subscription to the Irish Examiner when he, yeah. uh, when he, when he picked up Getty's comments. But look, uh, as you say, two men well-versed in, in terms of uh, stirring things. In fact, I was interested um, this, yesterday, Warren Gatlin making a comment about, you know, that... Uh, the box were rattled because uh, in that A match, the Lions weren't uh, put out in any way by their physicality. I mean, talk about a red rag to a bull. Uh, I always remember talking to Lawrence Delalio a couple of years ago when, when Gatti was the coach of Wasps and they'd begun up to play Leicester and Welford Road. This was Leicester of the Martin Johnson era who were killing all and sundry before them. Yeah. And Gatti would just throw a bombshell right into the middle of it. And Delalio would go, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, as if it wasn't bad enough going up there. So yeah. there's, there's a little bit of that going on. But it's, uh, look, it's great to see because just like Bernard and yourself, I have found it difficult to kind of really get into the tour. Uh, I suppose we had other distractions at home. The Euros, the soccer was fantastic when it was on. With the hurling championship and, and Gaelic football as well. But as Bernard said, that A match, you got a glimpse of what's coming down the road. Uh, I think what makes this opening test um, so difficult to call is there are so many uncertainties. I mean, in my experience, I have never seen a Lions test team going into a game with more advantages than the host team. It's normally the other way around. It's normally the Lions that are cramming their exams in terms of trying to get combinations together, trying to get used to each other. Uh, in this case, it's the other way around. Even simple things like the venue. The Lions have been here now in Cape Town for two weeks. They played in the magnificent new Cape Town Stadium. Uh, they don't play rugby in Newlands anymore, which was the traditional home of the Springboks and, of course, Western Province in Cape Town. So the Lions have been there. They've had a match. All three tests are now going to take place there. So it'll be like a home from home for the Lions as opposed to uh, other tours. There are different venues. You're going in and everything is stacked against you. They now don't have the issue of altitude to deal with at any stage during the tour. That's another key advantage for them. Uh, we know the South Africa are way behind where they would have been going into the final of the World Cup 18, 20 months ago. The question is, have the, the work that they've done in camp since they've come together, has that been sufficient to sort of bring them up to speed? Because so many of their players are either lacking in game time or are suffering the after effects of COVID. And we don't know, still athletes don't know, how that is going to impact them in terms of um, you know, their physical performance. And, and the likes of Saya Khaleesi, the captain, he was only cleared to go back training with the squad on Wednesday. Yeah. So 
there's huge variables going into this game, which makes it difficult to call in, in some respects. Right. Well, there's a couple of interesting points that you've, you've made there, and, and we'll get to them all. Just initially, Bernard, though, <clears throat> the Lions squad selection, the 23, the starting 15 and the match 23 to take on the box this weekend. Is it more or less what you expected or has Gatlin sprung a few surprises of what you thought he would pick? Yeah, look, I think Ali Price is a surprise. For me, he was probably the third choice going out there. Now, having said that, uh, um, I think he's been impressive. Uh, the question mark would be the quality of the opposition that he's, you know, he's impressed against. It's a big step up. Um, Jack Conan, again, has been phenomenal. Uh, and any every minute he's played, he's been really good. But my gut feeling was that that Gatlin would would stay loyal to Falatau, who has been to war with him on so many occasions in a, in alliance in a, in a Welsh jersey. And I understand his form hasn't been as good as Conan's, but I just thought when it came to the crunch for the first test, he would he would stay loyal to him. Um, you know, Elliot Daly doesn't have a huge amount of experience in thirteen for sure. He's looked comfortable there. He's a good footballer. He's a left foot. But this is a different, this is a different ball game, you know. Um, and I think there's going to be a huge amount of pressure on him. And we you know two weeks ago, what I said, Josh Adams and, and Lewis Rees Salmon, neither of them being the team. Um, you know, I probably, I probably, I probably would, I would have been shocked by that. So yeah, there's a few changes. But look, Gatland is he's close to this team, and I, I think Gregor Townsend would have an influence on it as well. Um, from an attacking point of view, and you can hear on the ref cam and the ref mic a lot, tempo, tempo, tempo. Um, and I'm sure that get the Lions feel that an area of uh, that they can be have an advantage in is fitness. And you're only going to test that if you play fast and you move the ball. And as Donald said, you know, there's some doubts now. In fairness, I, I thought that they physically looked unbelievably good in, in the A game, considering they've been in, you know locked up for 10 days. Um, but it's the it's the after effect potentially of, of COVID. There's a couple of injuries, um, you know, and there's a few doubts around like the Duke, the two Duke brothers. I thought they would have been in. Uh, one of them would have been in the back row, uh, but obviously we don't know what's happened with them. So I think the starting the best front rower on the bench. So there's a, there's a few different things in the in the box set up that would give you hope as well. But from a Lions point of view, yeah, they were the ones that that kind of surprised me. Okay, and Donald, your, your reflections on the team then, was Murray that big a surprise to you in the context of how he has been performing for the last two years? And, you know, just as a measurement of a previous standard in Conor Murray, he probably hasn't been at that level. Was it a big surprise to you that he didn't start? And equally, were there other calls that you expected Gatlin to make that he did not make? Yeah, well, look, let's, let's deal with the Conor Murray one first. Um, look, we've spoken about Conor's form at nauseam on this podcast over the last year or so. Mm-hmm. To be fair to Conor, I think he had found his form in the Six Nations. He had a very good Six Nations. Um, he started the game, the opening game of the Tour was against Japan. Himself and Dan Bigger uh, performed superbly on that occasion. And you would have walked away from that game thinking, yeah, that's the test combination at halfback already. Later on that evening, when he was named as Tour Captain, uh, when Alan Wynne Jones had to to cry off, uh, uh, well, you know, you had to assume he was a certainty then uh, for the test. I, I I do think he didn't play well against South Africa A, eh? uh, but it isn't as if Gatland hasn't seen Conor Murray underperform in certain games before, but know that on the biggest stage that he has the experience to be able to produce. Ali Price, to be fair, I think. If the Lions want to play at high tempo, and it's obvious that's what they want to do, they want to take the Springboks out of their comfort zone. 
because of all the COVID issues, they want to force the pace of the game to get them to a point where they're going to be out on their feet. Uh, Ali Price has shown that, you know, he's more of a distributor. He gets the ball away quickly. He's very good at lining up his runners and all that type of thing. Um, but you've got to question the quality of the opposition that he performed against, number one. And secondly, in the games that he got, the Lions pack was so dominant up front, he was getting ball on a plate. So look, uh, I think that selection, Gatlin wouldn't have envisaged that three weeks ago. So there has been a change and a change in a number of areas. Uh, I have to say I was hugely surprised by the selection of the back three in particular. Uh, for me, given the quality of the Springboks kicking game, the aerial bombardment that's sure to come, Liam Williams is the most assured man under a high ball that I know. Not only that, but he is, he, he, there's an aura about him. He is so confident under that high ball that that brings confidence to everyone around you. I don't think Stuart Hogg or Van der Merwe are proven from that perspective. I mean, bear in mind it's only three weeks since Stuart Hogg was left out of the Exeter team for the semi-final and the final of the Premiership. Mm-hmm. So obviously Rob Baxter must have had certain question marks about his ability. Uh, so the composition of the back line, I have to say, uh, surprised. Uh, up front, I think, by and large, he's selected on form. Jack Conan, for me, has been outstanding on the tour. Uh, Wynne Jones gets the nod at loose head on the basis. Uh, Vunapola looked a bit off the pace scrummage-wise. And when you consider uh, the likes of Jamie George, Vunapola, Owen Farrell, a year spent playing in the championship, the lower level of, of rugby in England, has come back to bite them, I think. I think Colin Dickey is there on form. I feel a bit sorry for Tyburn. I think he's had a brilliant tour, but I also think that Gatlin has a specific role earmarked for Courtney Laws. If you remember, he was brought in as a sort of a last-ditch selection. They were only announcing 35 players. They picked 36. He was the one that they brought in. So overall, I've always respected Gatlin. Uh, I think he's a very good selector. No, he's left me scratching my head at this stage. I always bow to the fact that they know what's going on in, in, in training, but I really think in certain areas here, he's put his head on the block because uh, I, I think the Lions are in a great position to, op- to, to open the series with a win. But if they don't get it, where do you turn to then? Birch, Gatlin has unquestionably gambled here. And Donald mentioned the advantages that the Lions have had on this tour that they would not ordinarily have on a touring tour. But one of the advantages that they should have had by virtue of the amount of games that they played versus South Africa is that they would have had uh, combinations in key areas that are more used to each other. Of the key, five key combinations in this starting Lions team, only Robbie Henshaw and Elliot Daly, Daly, Elliot Daly have started together before on this tour. Every other combination is a first-time pairing for the first test. Is that not very strange? It's, it's bizarre. bizarre. And you'll always have Lions coaches saying how important it is that they get enough games pre first test to to build those combinations so uh, it's it is it is really strange and i don't know uh, and in fairness there was another quote from from gatlin saying um that when they had the selection meeting there was hardly any alignment across all the coaches in terms of the team to be picked so it does seem um like this has come together without any grand master plan now you know we've seen it happen before where um, you know, there's a, a team put together and they just click, and and you know it's that. Um, that and firstly, Gatlin. Gatlin has a, a, a strong sense of uh, intuition and 
and backing is good as well. And he's been right more than, more than he's wrong. But it does look like a lot of the warm-up games were a waste. Um, in, well, in, some, in terms of the opposition not being strong enough to, to test them in areas that the box will. And then secondly, in terms of, you know, as you said, combinations. I think Roy O'Connor did a piece in the Independence Day and shows the lack of alignment or, or, or um, c- consistency in terms of building relationships. And Ali Price is now bigger to play together for the first time um, in, a, in, a, in a test match. And there hasn't been any injuries to, the, to, to, to make that happen. It's very strange. It's very strange, Tom. Can you can you can you understand that? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, I think I go, I go back to the selection point that Bernard made there. From what I gather, and uh, I know Gatti did this for the squad selection, the wider squad selection first, and then he did it for the uh, the opening test. Where there's four coaches there, he asked all of them, "Okay, lads, you pick your starting team, pick the eight fellas you'll have on the bench. We'll come in and we'll compare and we'll contrast. Of the combination, only four forwards and three backs were common." Uh, to the four selections across. So it's it's a very diverse selection. Mm. So um, it does sort of smack that, you know, that they weren't building, that there wasn't a plan, let's say, that you were building, you were looking, because you were going to play this way, we're playing this combination against the Stormers, in other words, against the, the Sharks, with the emphasis of building towards this test series. Um in some respects, as it's 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 positive for the group and that it has related or it has rewarded form, but that's up front. I mean, Josh Adams, he scored eight tries. Um, apparently, uh, his selection uh, it came down. He one or two errors uh, in the game against the Stormers. His wife, they'd had a first child three days beforehand. He was following that on Zoom. I mean, it's not surprising that it might have been a little bit off last Saturday. How you could make the selection? or judge the selection on that, uh, I find bizarre. Um, it's, it's the other one, Elliot Daly. I mean, fantastic player, no question about that. He hasn't started at outside centre since 2016 at international level. And the last one I'll make is there's a rumour out here in South Africa amongst the media people that I've met that Ian Henderson could well have been in. That was a 6-2 split early in the week. So the Henderson uh, was going to be in there, you know, and Farrell and, and Conor Murray on the bench. Then the box went for a 5-3 split for the reasons that Neen Armour outlined um, because they're worried about Pollard. Pollard has played little or no rugby. So there's no way he's going to get 80 minutes. So they've put three backs on the bench. But are the Lions then reacting to that by going for the 5-3 split? Like, I, I, I think had this, the box gone with a 6-2 split on the bench, the Lions would have done likewise. So mm. therefore... You know, I think the Lions should be in a position where they're um, more proactive in terms of what they want to do as opposed to reacting to what the opposition are doing. But look, it's all conjecture. We'll just have to wait. That's why this game is so compelling for me because there's so many things, so many uncertainties out there until you actually get to see what combinations are there and how they perform under pressure. It's very difficult to, to really predict the outcome. Just, just Hugh, Hugh, sorry, I think this selection is a selection I would have predicted if he had lost the first test. You know, uh, I think we expected a, a kind of a boring conservative selection for the first test. Because I look back at Wales, South Africa in, in, the, in the World Cup semi-final, and I know it's a while ago, but it gave an insight into what Gatlin sees in the Springboks game and what the Springboks saw in Gatlin's game. And it was unbelievably tight. It was probably... It was, it was the hardest match the box got after round one um, when the New Zealanders beat them. Um, and 
I, I would have thought Gatlin would have said, right, I was on the money in terms of the game plan. Throw in a few more match winners, you know, the likes of uh, Owen Farrell, throw in a bit more power, likes of Courtney Laws, Ty Furlong. We, we have the tools to beat them. And for whatever reason, and I, I agree with Don, I think the Saracens guys, Baratoje, have, have definitely struggled, and that's obviously changed things around. Connor maybe isn't in the form that that Gatlin hoped he would be in, but it's uh, for me, it's it's a great, it's a gamble, but it's going to be fascinating. It is, yeah, but it's on on, on yeah. that point. Sorry, you, you and I were at that game. If you remember, we did yeah. that semi-final, Wales and South Africa. We were staying in the same hotel as Wales, so I used to meet Gatlin, chatting mm-hmm. away to him. They had a couple of injuries going into that game. And but for a kick, I think there was three points in it up to a couple of minutes to go. Yeah. I think Pollard might have got a drop goal or a penalty. I think that was the day that Gatlin decided he would do the Lions again. After New Zealand, he said he'd never do the Lions anymore. The pressure he was under, the fallout, the media, he expected to be treated with more respect from the New Zealanders, being a New Zealander himself when he went out there. And there was aspects of the last Lions tour that he hated. And you know, he seriously considered not doing the Lions ever again. I think that semi-final, at the back of his mind, planted a seed for the reasons that, that Bernard has outlined, that this South African side were very beatable. Um, now, as we know, so much water has gone under the bridge since then. But uh, I, I think it's a fair point because Wales, even though uh, they had a number of injuries going into that semi-final, they almost got over the line. And, you know, I think they, they, they had more injuries after that. I think had they beaten South Africa, England would probably have blown Wales away at the final. But uh, I've no doubt that game was a big influencer in Gatland's decision to do this tour. Just you mentioned the back three and Bernard, this is something that I've been thinking about. You did a piece um, on your Twitter feed today about elements of the Springbok game that is going to be very hard to, for the Lions to counteract, one of which was the kicking game, in particular of Baxter Clark. And I think the statistic from the South Africa A game, the last one he played, was that he himself kicked the ball 40% of the time or somewhere thereabouts. So the kicks from the spring box, 40% of the time came from their scrum half, left-footed, and what he managed to do to put pressure on uh, the lines at the time. And I'm looking at that back three of Watson, Hogg, and Van der Merwe, and as Donald mentioned, it's very difficult, if this is a reactive Lions selection from Gatland into what he's expected to face, it's very very difficult you know, to, to ascertain the sense of picking Hogg and Van der Merwe from what South Africa we know will do on the high ball, which is kick and kick and kick and kick, given those two are not necessarily that strong on their high balls. It's it's absolute. Like, I think Razzie and Jack Nienabar and Felix Jones will be, you know, licking their lips at, at the idea of getting after those in the air. And that's what, like, Dan Bigger spoke this week about kind of that, that semi-final again and, and how at key moments they just lost patience, right? So some of us losing patience and someone's making errors. But if you make an error outside your own 22, that's when the box, that's that's when they light up and that's when they go to that power game. But they make very few errors in that kick tennis battle. Um, and again, I, I think it's all well and good saying, oh, we're going to set the team up for, for counter-attack. But when you know that that the primary source of possession you're going to have is is contestables from Faf to Clerk, which are generally very accurate, you know, Anthony Watson or, or Duan van der Mer, they're not going to get a chance to catch that uh, with space and time and to run back. It's literally, it's a challenge in the air. And um, so look at, hopefully they step up to the mark because if you start knocking those balls on in the air, if they regather them, then it's very, very difficult. And, and 
Um, they only kick long to you, uh, you know, when they've actually punched holes and they can find grass. They, they very rarely kick long where you catch it back on the, on the halfway line and can go back at them. So it's, it is a big gamble, but maybe he thinks that, or I'm sure they think that there'll be one opportunity to, to get them on transition or counterattack, and this is the team to do it. But you would have to sense, like, I think Duane Van der Mer, I mean, like, obviously being from South Africa, um, he is in for some some amount of pressure, you know, yeah. what I mean? yeah. physical, physical, verbal, being targeted in the air. Um, and, you know, hopefully he steps up to it because it could have a key outcome on the, on the game. Absolutely. The back row battle, Donald, is going to be very interesting for the box. You have Khaleesi coming back from uh, COVID, as you just mentioned, just clear to rejoin training. We don't know what toll that's going to take from him. Peter Steph Dutoy, who's one of the best flankers in the world now and certainly one of the most experienced and clever. And then you have um, Kagaga Swift at the, at the back for... Um, um, South Africa, who's got the nod ahead of Vermeulen, who obviously we know what the damage he did in the World Cup. And then you have Courtney Laws at six, Tom Curry at seven, and Jack Conan. And what a selection it is for Jack Conan, Donald, who was so shocked to even make the Lions squad in the first place. He's now the starting test number eight. Yeah, I think to be fair to Jack Conan, you go back, he, he'd missed so much rugby uh, since the last World Cup, really. Got in against England, was part of that. Uh, remember that, that set-piece play that got a try for Keith Earls, then he scored a try himself. Um, I thought he took his opportunity every time he went out. You go back when Leinster beat uh, Exeter Chiefs in um, Sandy Park. He completely outplayed Sam Simmons. That day, everybody was talking about Sam Simmons for the Lions. No question in my mind after that day that he put himself into the frame to be picked. Now, once he had then got selection, uh, he started, played against Japan, made a big impact that day. And that's all you can do. On a Lions tour, you might get two chances. You have to perform. And then the other key element is consistency because you're training every day. And that's where the likes of Gatland and the coaches, while they know the opposition players, when I say opposition, they'll know the Irish players, the, the, the Scots and, and the rest from preparing to play against them. You really only get to know uh, the ins and outs of the player when you work with them on the field and you get the opportunity of sitting down with them afterwards. And I think Jack Conan has done everything right. And I think on form, he deserves to be there. Okay. Uh, Courtney Laws is the interesting one in that, uh, as I say, um, he hasn't played him over the last couple of weekends. Um, and it looked as if he always had it on his, on his mind that he was going to play him six. Likewise, I think he sees Tyke Byrne as like for like there. So either Laws goes, like the, the one decision the Lions have to make, there's no way Alan jones can play 80 minutes. So he's going to be gone after say 40, 50. Does Laws go into the second row then and Ty Byrne comes in? I would imagine that's what's going to happen. Um, but I think when he had that in mind originally, it was probably a 6-2 split. So you could have had Ian Henderson on the bench as well. Mm. So that changes that dynamic. The interesting thing for me, when you look at the, the pack that uh, South Africa have selected, it's the exact same eight that started in the for the A team. Uh, so Quagga Smith was uh, was was at eight that day. Uh, the front row, as Bernard said, uh, I, I've never been a big fan of Trevor and Canne. I think he's an average scrummager. So I think psychologically, you go back to, I was at the opening test in Durban uh, 12 years ago, the day that um, Phil Vickery got absolutely destroyed by the beast. Yeah. And the Lions, the Springboks set their template in the opening three scrums of that game that set the platform for the match 
and the Springboks won at a canter. Lions came back, got a few tries at the end, but that put a bit of glass, and it actually helped them in terms of uh, their belief for the second test. But I think, uh, again, I, I agree with Bernard, they have their better sec uh, front row on the bench, but surely the time to inflict the psychological damage is from the start. I mean, if the Lions start well and they're in the game, you know, giving away a, a scrum penalty or two after 50, 60 minutes doesn't have the same impact as it does at the start of the game. So um, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, like both coaches are sort of playing fire with fire, looking to hold something back. Uh, the Springboks, I'd say, are worried that physically they know they're going to wilt and maybe they want their better uh, front five forwards to come on at that stage. Like Lou Diager is on the bench. He would have started in the World Cup final, but I don't think he's played a match since last March. He missed oh. the whole of Sale Sharks at the end of the season. So again, um, look, we know they're great players, uh, but it's going to be fascinating, that battle up front. Uh, just, and, and on the battle up front, uh, Birch, Luke Cowan-Dickey, are you surprised that he got selected ahead of Ken Owens, your position at hooker? I, I just would have thought Ken Owens, experience-wise, technique-wise, particularly at lineup, would have been a little bit ahead of uh, Cowan-Dickey. Yeah, but his form has just dropped off at, at the wrong time. Um, uh, Cowan Dickey is 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 in top of his form. He's been outstanding. So, like, uh, uh, you know, he's. I think he he's definitely merits his place. Now he's a little bit smaller um, than Ken Owens, but I think given how he's scrummaged for for Exeter, I, I think he's technically a good, very good scrummager. And um, yeah, no, obviously pre tour we would have thought Ken Owens was going to be one of Gatlin's favourites, but. I think Cowan Dickey's form has been so good that he deserves a shot. Okay, just um, your prediction, gentlemen, then, if you don't mind. Uh, it's a fascinating one. I, I look, and, and nobody seems to be able to call this one, um, least of all some of the selection choices. What's your view, by the way, on Razzy Rasmus uh, Birch patrolling the sidelines as the, uh, as the water boy? Um, do you think that's a psychological kind of, a, again, messing around? It, like, he seemed, the players seem to react to him. Um, he seems to really enjoy it. I think Gatlin has a bit of an issue with it. What's your own view on it? No, look at. I think it's look at to 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 see it and understand it. You have to think of the history. So, Jack Ninabar was a physio for Razi Erasmus back at the Cheetahs. Razi Erasmus trained him to be a defence coach, so he could manipulate the rules of being a physio on the field. So even when we watched Munster and Dolan would have seen lots of times. I mean, if Munster were stuck on their own goal line, Jack Ninabar was was behind him in the dead ball area. Tell him, fellas, where to go, uh, etc. It's unbelievable. Be able to tell him how to defend from scrums, but obviously Jack now is the head coach, so they needed to flip that. Um, and Razzie is basically making sure that the message being transferred from above Felix, Jack, etc., to the players is spot on. But the beauty of it is, if he doesn't agree with the message, he can actually change it. <laughs> uh, because in fairness, they, they're they're very much aligned, and I think that's why getting Felix in pre World Cup was was really huge for them because he didn't want to have any change. He wanted a, a coaching team who understood what he liked and, and trusted. So it's just another, look, it's, it's very unusual. In France, the coaches are on the sideline. Um, in rugby, we're used to the coaches being up in the, in the coaching box with a, um, with, with a laptop. I just think it's, it's so, you can see the glint in Razzie's eyes though. I mean, you know, he, he had bad health apparently for, uh, for a little while. And it's just so, I, I find it fascinating. I think he's a, He's a great character, great rugby man, and um, I think the, the, the little bits of, of conflict and, and bickering between himself and Gatland are, are interesting, to be honest, because it's, it's done in a, it's not disrespectful, you know, yeah. it, it's just, it's done in a, in, a, in, a, in a decent way so far, and hopefully that continues. So I, I don't mind it, but just Razzie Erasmus, when he coached the Cheetahs, uh, went onto the roof of the stadium 
with a color code system. And you and when there was a scrummer line out, the scrum half would look up, he would flash certain colors, <laughs> and uh, that meant what the call was. So he's always been a coach who's been hands-on dictatorship. This is what you do in this situation. Um, so he's only following on in that. He's not he's not changing. Um, uh, and people don't believe. I'm gonna, I'll send you a photograph later. I'll tweet it uh, of him actually up in the box with this DJ system. It's uh, traffic lights. Unbelievable. Um, so like he's it's not new. He's always been hands-on telling players what to do. Yeah, and the players have seemed to respond to that as well. You know, Gatlin doesn't do that, Donald, but that's different styles. That's why we love the game, isn't it? <laughs> uh, absolutely. And uh, I suppose just to follow up on that, when, when, when Birch was talking about Dean Arbor and Munster, if you remember, uh, he used to drive Gregor Towns and Ballistic <laughs> with uh, the, uh, uh, Glasgow Warriors. And as it happened, they met each other in, uh, in the Heineken Cup. And in advance of the game in Scottsdale, uh, Townsend put in a complaint to the um, uh, Heineken Cup authorities, uh, so much so that Neen Arbor had to go away and get his certificate as a physio, and he brought it to the match with him so that he was cleared to be on the sideline. So isn't it ironic how, we, you know, a couple of years down the road, you know, have Townsend and the Lions coaching box, Neen Arbor, the head coach now. I mean, when you think about it, Razzie is supposed to be having a back seat. He is now the David Nusifora of Springbok rugby. But mm. as, as Birch said, you could see he was jumping out of his skin. He was basically there because Ninarba had COVID. So he had to take over the running of the team for the Georgia match and the South Africa A game. But he was down there and he got so enthralled, he forgot to bring the water bottle on. Of course, Gatlin was only thrilled when he spotted this, but it was quite funny when they played uh, South Africa A, played the Blue Bulls here in Cape Town as well last Saturday. And Erasmus um, repeated the dose, but every time he ran on, he held the bottle up like this while he was running on, <laughs> giving the instructions with the bottle up in the air. No, to be handy if he gave somebody something to drink out the odd time as well. But uh, look, it, it, it only adds to the intrigue, really. It's probably it? empty. The water bottle is probably empty. He just had it handed <laughs> up as Tony was said. Uh, look, lads, it's going to be a fascinating test. We're going to review it all next week. Um, but I just got, I'm going to ask you, I'll start off, I think. Uh, I think South Africa are going are gonna to win this one and um, Gatlin will just wipe all the systems out and pick his try to trust it for next week and revert back to what we thought would be his start 15 for this section. Uh, Birch, what do you think? South Africa or Lions to win? Uh, South Africa for me. South Africa for me. And South Africa for you, Donald? Uh, I'm, I'm torn. I'm kind of leaning towards the Lions for all the advantages. Well, I put it this way. I definitely was up to the team selection. I yeah. thought they had all the advantages. Mm. And the Lions... The first test is so important. because If you win the first test, you're in the fight right up to the last minute of the last game on tour. So it's hugely important. Uh, but that selection has kind of flipped me back again now towards maybe the Springboks. But look, I think there's nothing in it. i tell you what I'm going to do with you, as you know, yeah. our long, our long um, tradition on tour, when we're away doing commentaries together, we go out on the Thursday night, we go to the pictures, uh, I go out and I try and, and get my pick and mix. Uh, but I only arrived in South Africa today. So I was only able to get jellies. <laughs> they had no fudge or anything. And so, let, me tell um, you, let me tell you, listeners, the sight of Donald Lennon walking up at six foot four and his big moustache and a pair of Wranglers that just barely come in the ankles asking for <laughs> pick and mix to the guy behind the sweet shop in the cinema is one of the sights that I will never forget as long as I live. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, so listen, enjoy, uh, Donald, enjoy the next few days. 
and indeed the match as well. And we'll pick this up next week ahead of the second test. But thanks to Bernard and to Dole and to Mikey, you produced. Talk to you next week.